See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Welcome to the Human Derek Podcast, connecting you with the seven fundamentals of life that will take you to the next level. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. What are you drinking? I am drinking water with uh, dried lemons in it. And this cup looks like a team better days. Did you dry them yourself? Uh, no. It came in a <laughs> came in a farmer's market uh, bag from a local delivery company called Daily Harvest. So there's Daily Harvest that has those smoothies. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever seen that. They have a lot of other stuff now, too. And then I was looking for something and I saw a Daily Harvest Express. Apparently a local company. They have no connection to the bigger company. So they're kind of piggybacking off of some free marketing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but they deliver. Oh, that sounds really good. It's almost like it's right outside my door or something. <laughs> the theatrics of the background. But uh, so this company delivers from local markets. Um, they used to just have like fruit and vegetables. And now they have all kinds of things. Beef jerky, dried lemons, they have eggs, meat. So it's kind of cool. Um, not sure if you're aware. Not a huge fan of going to the grocery store. No, I love going to the grocery store. Yeah. I think we had this conversation. <laughs> like, I think it's fun, especially during these times when you don't get out much. Mm. But the possibilities of finding new foods and things that you've never tried. Yeah. And, and you never know what you're in the mood for. You don't? No. I do. Like, especially after yoga. I always go and find, like, <laughs> I miss the salad bars. Oh, I miss the salad bars at Whole Foods because they're, you'd be able to get so many different types of fruits and vegetables at once. Instead of having to like get them all and then cut them up and do all that hard manual work, <laughs> just they do it for you. Yeah. So we do want you to be a little closer to okay. the microphone. You're gonna have to. Yeah. So should I move? I just it? I think I had too many distractions in front okay. of me. Cool. Is that gonna be better? Should we kind of move it closer? Okay. We can adjust it. And the arm. I mean, yeah. I just kind of like you can put it like right up here. So it's like right up on your. Maybe that would be a good reminder. The mouth noises. When I respond, I have to touch the microphone. There you go. There's your your cue. cue. Yeah. I was going to say trigger, but it seems like trigger is a word that means, uh, has kind of a negative connotation these days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, triggers can be good because they can allow you to understand why you react to something. Mm. You know, if you negatively react to something, it's a trigger. And when you can identify your triggers, then you can dig deep into why they are triggering you. Mm. Do you believe that? I find that the things that cause the most suffering can be the biggest sources of learning. Mm. So that's pretty neat. But I, I like to, I used to like to use the word trigger for like events. Like it triggers an event or it triggers an action. And now when I say it, I can feel that it has a different meaning just because of how connected we are. Um, as a society, maybe, you know, digitally in quarantine times, maybe not so much in person, but it's a word that has taken over uh, 
such a large part with, oh, it triggers me. I'm very sensitive around that. Like, don't trigger me. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we shouldn't avoid our triggers. We should identify them mm. and then learn from them. I mean, you can try to live in a, a bubble and avoid all your triggers, or you could figure out what they are and then get over them. <laughs> I like I like that idea way better. Like, get over it. Yeah. Now. I mean, I think it is good that people are starting to identify by saying, oh, that's a trigger. Like, don't do that because that makes me feel this way. So that's like a first step because at least they are, they know they're not completely unconscious to it and just pushing it out of the way right away. They're saying maybe they're, you know, building boundaries to that other person that is triggering them. But I think you got to go a step further and then figure out, okay, why is it triggering me? And instead of trying to avoid it completely, instead of trying to avoid it completely, dig in. Cool. Yeah, just when I you like really to, want I like, that. I like to dig in. And I like that. Just make sure it's like right up. Because even back there, that sounds totally different. So you want to be that little extra base where it sounds like you're perfect. Okay. Awesome. That's Maybe just lowering that, that inch was okay or beautiful. better. I love it. But yeah. And with the... You know, with the tri or the triggers or like the stirring up emotions, things like that. I, it's interesting because on, on one side, you know, I, when you like when you're choosing friends, for example, you probably don't want to choose people to trigger you all the time. <laughs> uh, not unless you're advanced in the whole, whole triggering journey where you're really learning from them. I mean, because ultimately we want to get to a point where we don't have many negative triggers mm -hmm. and kind of like what you were saying before i think we we weren't using trigger in a positive way so sometimes things happen that can trigger positive events mm -hmm. but i don't know if i would call those triggers in the sense of what i'm talking about yeah um that could be more like i don't know what a, what a good word might be to use like a catalyst for like inspiration. So uh, I don't know again what a better word for a trigger would be, but there are some things that precede that insight or that excitement uh, that are used in a positive way. And we, we want to get to that place where we can turn those triggers around um, and we can use them in a more productive way. I think that's really powerful. You know, I, I hear sometimes people say like, words don't matter or, oh, that's not what I meant. It's, you know, um, and I was having a conversation with a guy who was really frustrated with some things and he was, you know, trying to work against some people in his organization. And he used the word, we, we started off the conversation by talking about you know, I, I don't like to say like, how are you or things like that, real basic. It's usually like what's happening in your world and some kind of thing that gives me insight into where someone's at mentally at that time, because I really do believe our, our words are kind of a window into what we're thinking, what we're doing, how we're feeling. And uh, that's how we open up our discussion. Then we get further into the discussion. He starts talking about, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight. I'm going to battle for what I believe in. And we got into the, you know, honey um, attracts more flies than vinegar. 
And then, you know, I just asked him like, why does everything have to be a battle? What would happen if it was more collaborative and you work together? And he's like, well, maybe battle's not the best word. Mm -hmm. I said, remember how we started the conversation, you know, this agreement that words are often insight into how we really feel about something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of ties into what I am all about, and that is the subconscious mind. And we basically, I don't want to say it's not our fault, but in a lot of ways, our thinking is not our fault because we are programmed in a lot of ways, you know, from the time that we're really young. So usually from like zero to seven is going to be those formative years where you just absorb everything around you from your caregivers and your family and friends and society. And now especially, you know, media. So that programming is, is, is hardwired and that sets us up for the foundation of our personality and basically everything that happens in our life. And a lot of times we don't go through that and we don't really question our beliefs. And that was what I wanted to bring up when you mentioned he said something about his beliefs and beliefs are really so strong. And really just a belief is, is a thought that we believe and our thoughts are that powerful in if we believe it, then it's a belief and then it becomes our action. And then it's really the way that we live our life. So if we can kind of go back and dissect, like where are these thoughts and these beliefs coming from? Well, they're coming from what was instilled in us when we were really young. And a lot of it is, is good, right? We are functional members of society, but a lot of it is, is kind of, kind of junk. Like it, it's outdated it's unnecessary and it's not empowering. It's, it's actually quite disempowering. And when we can dig into that and start questioning it, it really allows us to take control of our life. And then we can start focusing on things like our words, right? So if we know where our words coming from, well, they're coming from our thoughts, which is coming from our beliefs, which is coming from our programming and our subconscious mind. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot, a lot we can unpack there. And once we do start to unpack that, we can change it. We can let go of things and we can install new hardware and ultimately really, again, take control of our lives. Yeah. That's you. Be the the captain of your vessel. Absolutely. What, what's an example of maybe and and you know we don't have to use specific names or anything and, and violate that client privilege but sure. maybe what's a, a belief you've worked on with somebody lately where you're able to to rewire it in a way that helped them um have more influence over their really when i think your you know your their life you and i say world or reality you know because you're constantly with your actions and thinking shaping that each moment yeah sometimes it's it's usually something kind of minimal. Um, I, uh, I, the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question was a woman um, that I'm working with and she wasn't really young uh, in school. She wasn't like the best student or, or I mean, I, we don't know. I mean, her memory is, is subjective, so we're not sure it could have been her teacher, you know, but maybe she didn't 
adhere to the typical norms of being a good student. And, you know, her teacher would say, you know, you're, you're just not smart enough. Like you're not trying hard enough. You're not good enough. All of those things are really, really damaging for a five-year-old. And so then the, you know, how based on how things are or were back then, the mother was upset and said the same thing. Like, you're not trying hard enough. You're not doing your homework good enough. All of these things. And now in her work, she is super insecure about every little thing, every little detail. She's, you know, overachieving, you know, people pleasing, completely stressing herself out. And when we kind of tracked back where those beliefs and insecurities came from, it was when, you know, she was, she was younger and told that she wasn't doing it right. And she's really, really intelligent. And so just kind of going through that and reframing it, um, reprogramming it and to reprogram doesn't mean to erase or take away reality, the reality that happened at least to that person and the way that they think about it. Uh, I mean, that's another topic we could get into is uh, how every reality is subjective. So everybody thinks about things that happen differently. So it's all really interpretation, but that's, that's another conversation. (laughs) But for, for this specific uh, client, when we went back and we took away that emotional charge of being a failure and, and not being good enough and not doing things right, she was able to let things go and and not spend so much time being overly critical about her performance and realizing, you know, it, it wasn't so much the job that she hated. It was her, the way that she just always felt incompetent, even though she clearly wasn't, right? So it was just these loops that run through our mind about something that happened so long ago. Yeah, and it, it's like a unique human thing as far as I know. I mean, I'm not living in the animal kingdom other than being a person, but we get to think about thinking. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a term for it. Do you know you're on your head? Is there a term uh, for that? No, but I do know what you're saying. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe dolphins do it or something, but I can't imagine the dog is sitting there going, oh, you know what? Yesterday I was thinking about this and, like, analyzing their thoughts. It's, a, you know, we get to think about thinking and the thinking itself, you, you know, needs energy at a molecular level, at a emotional level. So as you were describing that the ability to part ways with the extra thoughts of like, I'm not good enough, or is this going to be good enough? On one hand, it's a, it's a strong motivator for a lot of people to elevate their circumstances in their future. On the other hand, the exhaustion, the drain, the time suck, all of the, you know, the opposite effects of that seem like they could be damaging both short-term and long-term. So how do you find the, you know, how do you reprogram in a way where you can still have that motivation and that focus and not lose that while, you know, doing away with the not-so-helpful pieces? Yes. Well, that's what I've been trying to figure out for the last few years. So thank you for asking that (laughs) question. Uh, 
I do think it is a motivator. And I think that's what our society sometimes runs on is people's sense of being inadequate and always trying to have to prove something to somebody else. And, you know, if we go to the spiritual side of it, it's, you know, the ego that some people maybe try to eliminate to find that inner peace or that authenticity, but it does take away some of that drive because we don't know necessarily what that what, what triggers that drive. <laughs> so that there, there's a lot to unpack here. So if you're if you're not questioning where your motivation comes from, it's going to be the societal norm of you know maybe success, right? So success is going to be driven by your accomplishments and probably how much money you make and your prestige and what you've accumulated and what you have and what you possess. So that's maybe what we could say is the American norm of society. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes that is driven by you know, us not being good enough or us not being worthy enough or, you know, being inadequate. And then, you know, you, you hear a lot of times, you know, people that are very successful and then they just leave their jobs and leave all their money and they go to an ashram in India and they're like, oh, wow, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Like, that was just ridiculous. I got so caught up in the rat race. And they kind of go in and, and they feel like, oh, I wasn't being authentic. I was just doing what I thought that I had to do. And I'm not saying that, that that's bad. I think it's all a learning experience. I don't think that there's anything good or bad. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say one way is better than the other. But when you have, when you do dissect it and you get to your authentic nature, then you can align, you can find that drive when there's alignment with what you really want. <laughs> it's, sorry if I'm, I'm stumbling over my words here, but once you take away the programming and the junk and those limiting beliefs and all of those not great um, feelings about yourself, there is drive under there. So there is more of an authentic drive under there because you find what you're really passionate about and you want to go to work and you want to do those things. You want to help people. You want to influence lives. You want to be involved in the evolution of mankind and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, there's like a million things, in there, <laughs> but you're, you're spot on. I, I was actually, I was kind of getting the chills there when you were talking about, you know, the person that has this job and then like packs up and leaves. I did that uh, when I was about 27 or so. You know, I was working at a, a firm, like a boutique wealth management firm with celebrity athletes. And uh, I was just like, what am I, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What am I doing here? Now, the, the programming part's interesting because... Um, societal norms, you know, I think one of the things I was blessed with, a lot of my, my own personal reprogramming, I found to be 
interesting because like I missed a ton of school mm. growing up. So I missed a lot of like most of what people would call middle school, just not wasn't in the agenda for me. And then w- what did you do? Uh, great <laughs> questions. Yeah. I'm interviewing you. <laughs> uh, there's an old Chris Farley skit from SNL and he's like a crazy salesman. He's like, in a you know, down in a van by the river. So I had some days like that. Um, although my, my mom used to call it like the, the school of hard knocks is what we were living. I was like, all right, she's crazy. But, uh, the, the programming that I didn't receive, I think through going through that process, there were definitely painful moments later on down the road, like learning about societal norms, how to behave, anxiety, fear that came from feeling like I wasn't part of by the time I did decide, you know, and went into community college, things like that, like just being very fearful of my surroundings because it was so abnormal because I didn't have that experience, but also kind of bucking the trends quite often, um, doing things like leaving a secure job where I could see the 30 years and the gold watch, you know, hanging out in the future and uh, ending up in a hammock in Northern Brazil. And, and some people thought that was insane. And it was funny to to hear how many people thought it was random, like, oh, how random of you. But I spent months kind of planning it out, thinking about the why and the how and where I'd end up and everything. And uh, I find that that's pretty common, that most people don't do things randomly. In fact, I don't even like to associate the word random with human behavior because it seems like there's a reason, like every time, all the time. There's no, oh, I don't know why I did that. Like, no, you just haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I did that in a similar way, kind of packed up. Went to Asia twice. <laughs> but it was very calculated. And to most people in my family and friends, they were, I, I'm not sure what they thought. They sometimes said like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was the, the polite way to say it. Um, because they just hadn't thought that way. I think anybody can do it. They just, for whatever reason... And we can talk about philosophy. I, I do think that there is, you know, it, it, things are determined to an extent. And so I don't question things anymore. Now I'm at a point where I kind of surrender and just let things happen. I do. I mean, I, I plan, but I don't. Um, and I did plan. I, I, I was very responsible about running away and, and doing my thing overseas and, finding myself and soul searching and all those things that are really necessary for people that are on the path and, and have a different view of life and interested in the in, in evolution of mankind. So what you brought that up a couple of times. It's interesting because you have this like internal desire, I think, to contribute or to have an impact um, more than just beyond our own personal lives. And that is a, a driver that people can find. I think oftentimes people find it once they if they keep searching, you know, they they have a certain amount of, you know, cash success and they go, oh my gosh, what's next? And it can be very revealing for people to go, oh, this is, you know, something that can be beneficial for me to feel great about the work that I'm doing and contribute to others. Now, you you said determined, uh, like things are predetermined. <laughs> Describe what you mean by that. Yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not 
you know, sometimes it's like the more, you know, the less you really know. <laughs> um, I, I think, I mean, if we switch it to a little bit of a soul journey, I think maybe there's some truth behind your soul comes here to do a certain thing. And then, but you don't exactly know how. So, you know, say your soul is here to achieve A, B, and C. Uh, you will achieve those. It'll just depend on how much resistance and the timing and the details, you know, in that. <laughs> Do you believe that people, so I, I kind of look at, at life as, like you have all of these different paths you could take. There, there used to be these books called Choose Your Own Adventure books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I those? remember those. Those were great. I loved them. Yeah, I th I really believe that's how life is. Like you can go, okay, I'm going to make this decision and pursue this. And however it turns out, like maybe that unlocks that door to get to the final ending, your, you know, soul's quest, or you die. <laughs> and yeah. then you yeah. try again. But some people keep going down that path of death. So as, you, as you're saying that, you know, you have things to achieve here, do you think that people get to the end of their human lifespan and they haven't quite hit that mark and that's part of like the reincarnation philosophy or do we always at that final moment at least go oh this is what this is a lesson i was supposed to learn okay well i'm still thinking about the choose your own adventure books <laughs> i i used to read all of the endings so i would choose one but then i would go back and see what the yeah. others were oh, okay yeah so i was like oh did i choose the best so yeah mm. i i think if that doesn't say something about my seeking nature because <laughs> i always i mean i i i always have that oh did i make the right choice I mean, I think a lot of people have that. Did I make the right choice? Am I doing it right? But I think there is freedom in surrendering to, it doesn't matter what choice you make. And I mean, we could rewind and say, I think, uh, you know, free will, that's a whole nother podcast. But I, I think free will is not as cut and dry as we like to think it is. I think, you know, like I said, maybe that is, that's another podcast, but well, when you get to a lot of seeking and, and you realize, oh, maybe I do have a little bit of free will, um, to decide my fate, then, uh, like I said, I think you can have an impact on what you were, you know, maybe sent here to do, or like I said, those, that A, B and C that you are going to achieve in your lifetime, you, you, you get to kind of tweak it and design it to your liking. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about reincarnation, yeah, you just come back and do it again. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely intrigued by all different religions and ancient wisdom and, you know, reincarnation. All of those things are very, very interesting to me. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't stick to one specific thing. I'm open to discussing things and learning more about them. And I, I encourage people to do the same. And I think it kind of goes back to questioning where your beliefs come from, right? So just think, 
simply where you were born, how much that affects you. If you were born in a Hindu or Buddhist culture, if, you know, of course, reincarnation, it wouldn't even be a topic for discussion because it was just ingrained in you. So it's just our, our minds are, you know, again, I, I don't know a better way to say it, but they're programmed, you know, based on our surroundings and our society. And it's necessary, right? It's necessary for, for survival. So I don't, I don't say that the conscious mind is, is bad or the subconscious mind is bad. There's nothing, you know, to be shameful for it is I think it's just empowering when you can learn how to work with it in, in yourself or with the help of somebody else, then that's where you can kind of have that free will to make your own choices, to awaken and awaken to a higher purpose. So I know, I think you were saying, like I mentioned the ev evolution a couple of times. Um, I think that's because it's a really important conversation that we have right now, because there's a lot of stuff out there that is confusing and conflicting and we don't know which way to go or which way to turn, what to listen to, who to listen to. And I'm going to go ahead and say, like, you have to listen to yourself. As cliche as that might be, you got to find that inner wisdom. And that's where a lot of the magic is going to lie inside of yourself. And that's when you can clear your head and, and feel like you're centered and grounded and be able to move forward in a challenging time. Yeah, I'm, I'm working through this book right now by Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. Mm. And uh, it's super powerful. And I haven't got to the end. I haven't finished. I just started it this week. So I'm probably like halfway through or something like that. But uh, so what? You don't I'm, have a lot of books. I, I'm Yeah, surprised. I'm kind of short. You know, <laughs> if you could help me figure out a way to get Oh, you know what? That's Is that froze. supposed to be on? Make sure it's I still recording. I thought it just froze. <laughs> you know, I saw the core of my eye on your last conversation, but I didn't want to look over at the camera. I think it just it just paused. The power on. Power helps. Helps if I turn the electricity on. Power helps. Well, that was great. Um, I'm glad that we just <laughs> spent 45 minutes prepping. <laughs> 24. Well, no, because maybe it was longer and we just didn't, it stopped earlier than we I thought. Did, yeah. I did see out of the corner of my eye the video stopped, but I wanted you to finish your thought. So I didn't look. And I also didn't <laughs> want to look right at the camera. Um, but that's sweet. We got it. I think you, maybe we should just be co hosts and we'll just forget having guests on. It'll just be us and we'll just. Be, so self, be self indulgent and just talk about our philosophies and our beliefs being the best. The best? That's a strong I'm statement. Totally being sarcastic. <laughs> no, I think it's cool. Well, that's, um, did you like, you got some notes over there? What's in the notes? I was just looking at them, actually. You were out talking points? I did. Look at you. Okay. But I didn't, I didn't use them at all the first time around. So I think I'm good. Well, hey, go for it. You, you know, this is, this is your show right now. I'm, That's right. I'm That's the co-host. Right. You've taken over. I, I, I'm going to interview you. Mm. I'm curious about your past. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to make this connection between children that didn't have the most quote-unquote ideal upbringing mm. and their success later in life and their 
spiritual tendencies. Interesting. Well, right off the bat, and this is kind of, I don't know if we're going to get back that first, you know, 24, 25, 30 minutes of audio. So maybe we do, maybe we don't, but we'll <laughs> hopefully we do. That would be <laughs> The great. audience has no context yeah, for like, what, what we happened? were talking about. We were, it was amazing. Anybody listening <laughs> would have loved it. of all time. Hands down would have been like, you know, YouTube, 10 million <laughs> That's views. That's right. That's right. Uh, we got some equipment malfunctions. So we're back on track now. But uh, eh, we'll figure it out. But resiliency. So, you know, we've been talking about programming a bit, like reprogramming your mind and, and rewiring things and thoughts and memories mm-hmm. and not deleting stuff that is significant for who we are as people because that creates us. But at the same time, I one of the things I know I worked really hard on in my 20s and still do in some regards is that missing middle school, you know, like not, and I wouldn't even say missing, just not really attending middle school. And it's arguable whether or not I attended high school. I did pass high school, but how present I was there and how much effort I put into it, um, you know, that's a debatable topic. Uh, and in my early 20s or mid-20s when I started attending college, going, oh, man, I'm, I'm behind and I didn't learn algebra and, you know, kind of these little things that were frustrating me, I, I've over time shifted them. You know, and I look at the last year, and so many people having challenges. And I, I was able to dig deep and realize just how resilient I could be in a lot of circumstances to be strong for other people when they needed it. I mean, like some of the, just, I don't want to put anything out there. It's like highly offensive, but I was making jokes about the toilet paper and stuff like that. And obviously it's sad anytime there's a loss of life. Yeah. But I realized the people around me that leaned into it, you know, the the memes and the making fun and kind of not laughing at the circumstances in terms of the death or, or, you know, those pieces, but just understanding like this is part of, of life. And I, so I often look back at childhood as, as some of the most, you know, challenging things are, are have some of the biggest gifts inside of them in terms of what, I could extract from them to carry forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things there I wouldn't mind touching on. So one of them is the, the, the conscious and the unconscious part of it. So they're not that I follow mainstream um, news or media that much, but enough to kind of understand where, where it's at. And with the toilet paper, my first, my first thing was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Um, but I've also had that thought since I was a little kid, kind of looking at the world, you know, in a different, from a different perspective than most people. And it, I always kind of thought everyone around me was a little crazy. Um, but that was all, that, not that we're going to talk about my childhood, but that was probably also, you know, a defense mechanism or the way that I coped. But to go back to the toilet paper, somebody actually posted recently um, on social media about being, I like to call it like spiritual egotism. And it's this woke movement kind of putting themselves up on a pedestal like mm. well I'm I'm woke and 
you know, all these other people are just ridiculous and stupid. And that is not compassionate. And that that is not showing understanding. And I'm all for a good laugh. You know, I like to laugh at myself. I like to laugh at my old self and, you know, just silly things and acknowledge them because that, I mean, it's life, right? It's just life. You got to laugh about it sometimes. And toilet paper thing, like, it's funny. But I think there is that deeper topic that we could bring up is this spiritual superiority Mm. in that like, oh, well, I'm so awake and I'm so aware and I'm so spiritual and I'm just, you know, perfect. And I've dealt with all my stuff. And if if you're you're going around bragging how you've dealt with all your stuff, it's likely that you have not. (laughs) So, I mean, I think it's good to be aware that you have, everybody's got stuff to deal with. It's Mm -hmm. just part of the path. But I think then you kind of fall into this trap. You're still comparing, right? You're still comparing yourself to somebody else. And I mean, yeah, sometimes it's good to compare yourself to your old self. I mean, that can be a trap too. Um, Or, but basically it's understanding that people that are in it that are really fearful and that don't know what to do and they don't know where to go and they believe their thoughts and they believe their old programming and the beliefs and the things that the media feeds them. They're not bad and there's nothing wrong with them. They just need maybe sometimes a a push or some compassion or some understanding thrown their way because likely they didn't have the best upbringing or the best circumstances or all of those things. There's a lot of, of, of trauma in our culture, in all cultures, in humanity. And we have to help those people rise up. And that's part of, I think, you know, people like you, you know, trying to evolve humanity and, and where I would like to, to be as well, trying to help people help themselves. Well, that's a big statement. I didn't know I was trying to evolve humanity. I appreciate the compliment in there. I'm like, I just enjoy people living in harmony. But yeah, that's cool. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I I think you're maybe that's not like your mission statement. Maybe uh, that's not your mission statement. But I think <laughs> I think it's kind of the natural progression of things when you've done a a, a lot of inner work, you realize you know, your authentic self and the way that we interact with one another is vital um, in the sense where we're in it together. It's too late. I'm changing my whole marketing <laughs> plan now. It's yeah. I mean, Derek Evolve Humanity podcast. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. You could have an all, all, uh, alternate agenda that I don't uh, know about, oh, but yeah. yeah. Super Damn alternate. it. I guess it's too late. I'm already, I'm already in it. Yeah, alternate agenda is really interesting. So this is what I think one of the things we were talking about right before the equipment malfunctioned is this um, book I'm I'm into by Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. He talks about the truth default of people. And growing up in an environment where I had to learn very fast, like at least the people around me were like not very truthful at all. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly kind of going, okay, you're saying that but what does it really mean? Or what's the, you know, what's the story behind the story? And in this book, they're talking about Cuban spies and 
Bernie Madoff and all these big, huge examples where, and I haven't got to the end of it. So maybe it's like, surprise, here's the, you know, there's going to be some kind of great learning lesson of, I'm sure. Uh, but I, um, I, I run into that often where some people call it intuition or whatever, but by, by default, I'm a bit skeptical, but I don't distrust people. I actually think you should just give trust first and say, here you go. Like I 100% trust you. Um, there's different levels of that. I'm not going to say, hi, person I just met, here's my bank account. Um, you know, I 100% trust you, but I'm going to not assume that anything this person is telling me is baloney and, but just be aware, you know, through the the process. So that's what this book is talking about is that sometimes we have these doubts, these little things pop up and like with this Cuban spy, there were all kinds of signs. Sorry, you said Cuban spy. My mind wanders like, oh, wow. Yeah, they make her sound like she was like, she was the queen of Cuba. She was in the the U.S. like, you know, system, just taking all this intelligence for years. And there are all these signals and signs and things that people said, well, I kind of explained it away. You know, oh, yeah, when she did that, like, I just thought she was kind of nervous or she wasn't very good at her job or all these things. And it was all these signals and signs. And so when you talk about, um, like when you do self-work or, or, you know, working to help other people evolve or whatever that might be. Um, I, you know, I actually just shared a, a good example. I shared a, an article with some leadership folks that I'm working with around cognitive distortions. And are you familiar with cognitive distortions? So um, some of them are like black and white thinking. Uh, there's just, there's 15 of them that are identified, but they're thought patterns that in my experience, when, when myself or anybody gets locked into them, create so much tension, so much unnecessary uh, energy just suck mm. out of them. And uh, I'm sitting here going, oh, I just read about all 15 of them and I know them pretty well. And like one of them's coming to mind out of the 15, uh, thinking things are about you, going back to the ego. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you know, this person that must be directed at me versus mm. kind of taking yourself out of the equation and go, what's the bigger, what's the bigger picture here? And I'd be really fascinating. I'll actually share the article with you. Mm, yeah, definitely. To look into, but the more um, self-awareness we have, the more we can have that perception. I don't want to say the easier life can be, but um, our traumas now, you know, you get in a car accident, that's a form of trauma mm. versus you go back a thousand years and trauma might have been a lot different and we have uh, a lot of luxuries in how we deal with trauma but also it has made us more sensitive i think to, to certain traumas too mm, yeah there's so much that we can unpack there mm. all right so uh, the trauma thing is is maybe for another podcast because i am taking i'm just finishing up a course now on adult attachment um, and it basically it's on developmental trauma and how healing occurs, um, in more of a bottle, more of a bottom up model. So a right brain, uh, healing modality, a somatic modality, but yes, I think trauma needs to be, and it is becoming a little bit more mainstream, um, trauma needs a little bit of awareness because when we can get down to the root of that, we can definitely help heal ourselves. But I do want to go back first to the self-awareness part 
And self-awareness is super important. And I think, who is the author of that again? Maxwell? Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. He did Blink. He wrote mm-hmm. Blink. Yes. So mm-hmm. I read I read Blink. Um, I thought that was very good and um, is helpful in understanding your subconscious mind, for sure. Um, so sometimes self awareness is not enough. <laughs> not that I'm <laughs> not that I'm trying to advertise for myself, but I think <laughs> when when you have somebody that can help facilitate, mm-hmm. it is definitely going to be beneficial. Um, whether it's you know, a meditation coach or a hypnotherapist, um, even, you know, talk therapy is a good place to start for sure. Because what we know is that uh, projection is what you were saying with, with the ego is a defense mechanism that we use to protect ourselves. And in a lot of ways, the ego is often demonized and it, it shouldn't be in a lot of ways. It's not useful once you realize that you don't need those defenses anymore. But, you know, the ego, when you're a child, the ego is helping defend you from Mm. things that can be very traumatic. So it it definitely has a negative, um, you know, it gets a bad rap, but it's necessary. I mean, and I know there's a lot of different ways to define ego and that there's a lot of unpacking that we can do there. But to what you were saying, um, kind of about triggers and projection that is tied into trauma and the ego. And and when you have self-awareness, you're able to go deeper into understanding your triggers and why you're projecting and not making it so much about the other person or the outer world. And I'm thinking that is helpful. Um, the, the article that you were what you were talking about that's probably helpful in going deeper and understanding yourself. Yeah, it, it for sure does. I mean, once you recognize the thought patterns, like black and white thinking, go, it's either this or this. Or one of my favorite, you know, things I learned from studying psychology was about fortune telling. And like, oh, well, if I do this, this is going to happen. It's like, well, you don't really know that. You don't have a crystal ball. So why not, you know, if you focus on that, then you probably end up with some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where yeah mm-hmm. absolutely will happen but what if like a different outcome are possible like if you know if you're going into a meeting where there's going to be some negotiation and you know you're not a good negotiator and you're really hoping to come out with you know xyz if you go in there thinking like oh i'm gonna get crushed like they're not gonna do great well i hope you get surprised because i hope you get what you actually want but the more you can focus on uh, a better outcome versus going, well, I just, I know this is going to happen. I know that's mm-hmm. going to happen. So fortune telling is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my grandma used to say, assuming makes an ass of you and me. It's a, a version of that. Like quit assuming. And a lot of that is ego. My So with ego, there's a quiz. I've shared it with you. Mm-hmm. I love this freaking quiz. I've given it to yeah. so many people over the last like year and a half since I found it. I find that scores over a certain number on the ego tend to be the people I have the most challenges with interacting because it can blind mm-hmm. um, some of that self-awareness or some of that, you know, dose of reality. Uh, whereas you, you do need a healthy ego because if mm-hmm. you have no ego, it might be really hard to publish a book mm-hmm. or to put on a podcast to be like, oh, I'm so great that people are actually going to want to listen to this. Right? So you have to have some kind of ego to 
in business anyways, or with certain ventures to have a sense of, I think this will be, you know, bring enough value to people that you're going to be able to do something different. Uh, but over a certain threshold, it becomes very damaging to modern social interactions. Yeah, I think most, or I think a lot of people need to get to a place of a healthy ego before they can transcend their ego. So I have researched a lot about this concept of spiritual bypass. And I think that a lot of people that have had early trauma or any trauma end up in the spiritual world uh, without necessarily doing all the work to build up to a healthy ego. They're going right to, oh, the ego is all bad. And I just mm. want to be one with, you know, my higher self or source or God or whatever it might be. But I think you need to go back and that's fine. That's it's kind of like the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you're at the bottom and then you just jump up to the top and it's like a shock to your system. But you got to go back down and you got to, you know, build up those steps. And then, you know, maybe your end point is, and we talked a little bit about the soul before, maybe your end point is, you know, self-realization or nirvana or liberation, what have you. But I, I, in my opinion, you have to go back and you have to do the work and you have to figure, do a little bit of, you have to live in, in the past, but you have to do a little bit of digging into and understanding and building, rebuilding that healthy um, ego. And back to what you were saying about um, projection and you called it fortune telling. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, mean, I might have to steal that, but I, I call it mind reading. So a lot of times we mind read and we assume, well, they're not going to like me. It's like, mm. who's, first of all, who's they? And what aren't they, how do you know that they're not going to like you? Well, I, I just, I know because this one time they like gave me a dirty look. Okay, well, we have to go back and we have to track that. We're like, oh, this isn't going to go well. well. Well, why not? And so we, we play these games in our head and that is wasted energy. So we're wasting all that energy where we can be visualizing the outcome that we actually want to happen. Mm -hmm. And that is going to create that flow that's going to and so and then back to what you were saying about words and how they really kind of create our reality yeah they do because they those negative words are going to get us spinning into those old thought patterns and so we have to figure out a way how to utilize our thoughts in a in a positive way yeah and i'm trying to think of where we got cut off on the audio earlier I'm like how much of that is this and i really hope it comes back but the um, the things that take up energy, I mean, you, you can look at it from a scientific level and go, okay, the brain requires, you know, glucose and all these things. That's literal physical energy. But then there's also the, the focus energy I think of. And if I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm concerned about, um, oh my gosh, what's my hair look like that I don't brush hardly ever anymore or things like that. Your hair or your teeth? Uh, oh gosh, I hope <laughs> just my hair. So I got coffee breath going on, no, but uh, no, but you, th th those things that that all eats up that energy. So the more you can clear your mind, the more powerful. And you know, as you were talking about kind of jumping the hierarchy of needs, there's a group of people I was talking to one time and uh, kind of different levels of life, I'd say, from business to employee to a few different things. And the conversation of psychedelics got brought up and 
going to try ayahuasca, uh, ayahuasca. And there was someone there who had actually just tell from talking to him, like super sweet guy, really nice guy, but probably hadn't dealt with a lot of trauma in life. Or if you had, it would be very surprising because a very like naive, uh, like innocent kind of spirit about him. And he had never smoked cannabis or weed or anything like that. Like hadn't really done a lot. And because it was a buzz trend of going to, uh, let's go do an ayahuasca ceremony. He was really hot on that. And, and we started talking about like, you know, what are kind of your expectations from that? Have you never tried anything that's like a minor psychedelic or has that influence on your mind to jump in the deep into the pool like that? Like, what are you, you know, what kind of shifts are you hoping for? And it actually really, I think he came out of there going, you know what, maybe I should uh, try some baby steps and experiment with some of these things, see how different things influence me, how I feel about it. So I can go into something, you know, more mentally prepared too. you know, this comes back to you and I have talked about money a lot in the past, people that win the lottery or come across large sums of money that are broken out of money very swiftly because they didn't learn the fundamental principles of, of discipline of how to, you know, budget and spend and invest. And that ties into a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. So I don't, I, I also don't know if we have what I was explaining about our beliefs and our subconscious mind, but that's uh, the foundation of it is, is beliefs. So yes, if you have um, a lack mentality or you were brought up without um, money and haven't kind of realized that the world is abundant and has more resources than you could ever imagine. I mean, that's a mindset switch that you would need to make if you won the lottery, right? And a lot, and a lot of worthiness behind it, like that you're worthy of, of having that much money, that, you know, you have a container that's, you know, not literal container, but like you have a container that you can fit that money, um, you know, so you have to kind of grow your worthiness. So there's a lot of unconscious things that would need to be done. And as far as somebody that wants to go and do ayahuasca that hasn't done any work, <laughs> I don't know how that would go, but I'm thinking it would be intense and it would be a lot of integration because the way the, the, the mind is just so amazingly beautiful it, it 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 protects us like it wants to keep us safe and it, it's not going to give us more than we can handle hmm. so if you bite off more than you can chew it's going to take time so if you if you spent 30 years not ever listening to your body or your emotions or questioning your beliefs or understanding yourself and your thought process and connecting with yourself. And you go and do ayahuasca. Oh, it's going to be a rude awakening <laughs> when you come back because everything is just going to shift and change and it can be destabilizing. Absolutely. Um, 
So I think we want everything to change really fast, but that's not necessarily good. And that's not necessarily good for our nervous system, right? Because our mind and our body are connected. You can't just cut it off. And in our culture, we tend to do that. You know, we think of, you know, mental, you have a mental illness or you have a physical illness. Well, Well, there's no, you know, you can't have one without the other. They are, your body and your mind are connected and we don't realize that. And a lot of times, you know, and maybe this new age movement, it's all about like thinking positive and being positive. That's not the, the right way either. Like mm-hmm. you have to think about your body and you have to keep it healthy and give it, you know, the nutrients and the energy that it needs. So you can have one extreme or the other. I, I'm a fan of, you know, working together with the mind and the body. Um, but yeah, I think definitely baby steps and, and no one wants to hear that. And I, I'm, I have been known to jump from A to Z and then have to go back, you know, Hi, and, my and, name's Derek. And, 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 and do the whole alphabet. But I think that's, that's life and that's the fun of it. You know, sometimes you have to jump into the deep end mm-hmm. in order to, to to realize oh crap maybe i shouldn't have done that but maybe we wouldn't have gotten to the deep to the deep end if we went all from a to z we would have been like yeah no i don't want to go that far so i'm not saying that it's bad i'm not saying that he shouldn't do it but i'm just saying that it the process often is slower than we would like it to be we want to just change everything right away but there's a, there's a, there's a lot to unpack especially the way that our society has raised us it, there's a lot of there's a lot of trauma out there and a lot of things that we need to heal in order to overcome where we are right now um, as people. And we have like massive amount of luxury right now as people, the amount of, because of technology. So, I mean, we're sitting here on this like audio equipment system, you know, it, hanging out. We're not that far from the beach. Uh, we have all these luxuries, not just as, uh, you know, especially as Americans, we're in California, like there's so many things where if you go back a thousand years, 500 years, people didn't, you know, heal from trauma. No, like, let me go put on my sword belt, my hilt and my shield, and I'll show you, you know, I'm going to go out and cause some trauma because I'm a human, I'm strong. And so it makes me think, you know, and it's, uh, as, as you know, I'm a huge fan of like self-development and doing work and those types of things. And also, you know, at what point do you just have to go, like, be strong? Just go tackle those things. Some people learn really well through experience because you can almost get so caught up in, like, this chain of, like, thinking about how to make things better that it actually slows the progress because we're not taking action, too. So there is this balance and... and, um, in significance of giving each part of the human experience its, its place or its order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we do take a lot for granted. And I, I, I personally do. I mean, we don't have to forage for our food, right? I mean, we don't even have to cook our food. We can literally get it delivered to our doorstep. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we have all of these things done for us, we don't want to do them, right? So we don't want to take care of ourselves in a lot of ways. We 
we don't want to, but why would we do that? Because we have somebody else to do it for us. So I don't like to use the word lazy, <laughs> but I think it has, you know, we take it for granted, all the things that we can do. Um, yeah, those are the, uh, so, so much, so many ways, so many places we could go with this. Um, so what, what exactly was your question? I'm losing my train of thought. I don't know if there was a question, okay. but whatever. You can just feel like... Uh, yeah, so no, that I mean, that, that's the dilemma, right? So that's the dilemma is we want to, quote unquote, be happy. And mm. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure every client that I've ever had, they just said, oh, I just want to be happy. And it's like, well, what does hap- What does that mean? What does that mean to you? And if we go back, like, is that our purpose as humans to be happy? If we were all just super happy all of the time, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. I mean, where, how would you build up your resilience or if you were desert- determined? I mean, I think we're all pretty comfy and happy now. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't, I just, that word is very loaded. I, I encourage people to get more specific on what exactly it is that they want and really focus in on what their values are and what their beliefs are. Um, and, and that's where we are as a society. We are, um, I don't want to say, well, I'm going to say it, we're, we're bored and we're lazy and uh. we are are losing any sort of drive because we're lost in our own um, thoughts and we're distracted. And I think it's in a time where we need some perspective. Well, and that's, that's interesting, the happy thing too, because I find that regularly, you know, words matter, syntax matters, the definition of a word, you know, if you're going to use the word improperly, like it just doesn't have the same meaning. Um, if you are, uh, in the business world and you're talking about like prospecting, you know, like finding new clients or new business leads, that's drastically different than if you're a gold miner and you're prospecting. Mm-hmm. So words do absolutely have an impact. And oftentimes the concept of being positive, I believe is very confused with being optimistic. I'm not positive all the time, but people are like, Oh, you're so positive. And, uh, but I, I'm just, I'm definitely going to be optimistic about things. And, and the definition of being optimistic is just being confident about a better future. And that is something that, you know, until the next meteor smashes into our planet and uh, everybody that is a vegan goes, I'm going to eat anything near me right now because I'm trying to survive. Uh, it's not a bash on vegans, not making fun of vegans, but since we've been talking about, you know, people being high and mighty, it's like the first things that come to mind, especially where we live. It's like, well, I'm a vegan and so I don't eat the flesh of other animals. I'm like, really jump in that lion cage. That lion doesn't care. He's not a vegan. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but it's important to be optimistic and and realistic at the same time. Like, yes, things are hard. They should be hard. Um, that makes us stronger, mm. uh, but don't lose the optimism of going through the trials and tribulations that things are, can, and, and will be better on the other side. Should you decide, you know, that's what you desire. Yeah. And 
I, I I didn't mean to to sound negative about if I was. Oh, no, that wasn't a you thing at all. That's just I hear that all the time. And I think it's really important to people not confuse those things. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, and I don't blame people because <laughs> we're not given a really good manual. I mean, our education is very bare bones in terms of self-development and personal growth. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a lot of time to reflect. We don't meditate at school. We're not taught about our, you know, subconscious mind. We don't know how to navigate, you know, the traumas of childhood or a lot of them happen in school, you know, being bullied and those types of things. So, you know, we're not, I'm not blaming anyone. Um, I just think it is important to get clear on what it is that you want. And the way to do that is to eliminate all of your outside distractions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you have to meditate (laughs) or go to the, you know, the far East in order to obtain enlightenment. I'm just saying that maybe you should start by decluttering your life and allowing yourself to hear yourself think. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be meditation, but just kind of figure out what is good in my life. What, who are the people I'm surrounding myself with? What am I watching on TV? What am I reading? What am I scrolling on social media? How long can I live without any sort of social media or interaction from other people? You know, I challenge people to spend a whole weekend with no social media or toxic friendships or relationships, you know, they, they don't take in any information from the outside world and see what comes up, you mm. know, and preferably no heavy drugs or alcohol. <laughs> um, just so you can have a clear head. We need to know where our baseline is, where we are. We have to check in with ourselves and we have to connect with ourselves. And I think we sometimes don't do that because we're scared of what might come up. And I don't think people should be scared of that because we're, we're just human and, and there's nothing bad about us and all that shame and guilt and those what ifs and this and that, and the mistakes, that is all completely normal. And that can all be weeded through and it's really turns out to not be as bad as it might seem at first. Well, and when you, when you do that, like, you know, it's kind of a joke. Like if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. Well, you probably, I'm, I talk to myself a lot. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like it's been very helpful to <laughs> yeah. challenge my own thinking. Like, all right, wait, what did I just say to myself? Like, what did I just say in my head? Yeah. You know, you have to peel that back. And then when you, when you do that and you discover like this thing isn't serving me anymore, this relationship, it, it's hard to go through a breakup or, you know, I'm talking to some family that recently, um, accomplish something they've been working on for a while and they're super happy about it. Mm. And then this person from their past that is, you know, related to them, technically my family, I guess that would make sense, uh, like appears out of nowhere. It's like, hey, how's it going? And I just want to ask them, I said, do you think it has anything to do with the new, you know, success, new accomplishment? Well, I don't know. It's kind of hard, but um, because of that energetic tie, and, and I firmly believe in helping family. Um, but you, you really do have to, you're talking about toxic relationships. What made me think about this? You have to pull those things out of your life that aren't serving you 
or you are doomed to not be happy because there's a, a lot of those are drivers, whether it's a job that is not exciting, it's not, you know, feeding the different parts that you need, whether it's the friendship and yeah, when you are, when you get that quiet time and you have those conversations with yourself, you really get a chance to look at it and you have to make that decision. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to break up with that thing. I'm going to break up with that social media. I'm going to break up with that, you know, late time Netflix binge, um, whatever that is. And I mean, that's where resilience comes from. You can build strength that way. You can build towards a newer, better future. Uh, you know, why don't we all do that more often is a good question. You know, why do some people do it? Some people don't. Yeah. I think it, I think in my, I think in my experience is because it's scary. Mm. And we don't know what's under there. And if we've never looked under there, it's a lot of stuff, right? And we, because we, it's the way that our society is set up, we don't have a whole lot of time to digest events. I almost said traumatic events, but, you know, maybe more challenging events. So if you're working, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, your whole life, that leaves the weekends just to kind of reset for the next week. So if you're in this rat race most of your life, but you're still experiencing all of those challenges day in and day out, you don't have time to process what's happening, especially emotionally. Like we neglect ourselves emotionally. We don't tap in there and we don't allow ourselves to cry. I mean, I can't even tell you how many clients I have that are afraid to cry. And, and that's and, then I, and that's a very safe environment. They're like, well, there must be something wrong with me. I don't know why I'm crying. And I like to say, no, if you're not crying, there might be something wrong with you. Like the, it is a natural response. We are not giving enough attention to these emotions and they're just being stored in our subconscious minds and we're carrying them around with us. And that takes up a lot of energy that we don't even realize. That's like the weight of the world on our shoulders. And that builds up over time and time and eventually will cause stress to our bodies and illness and all of those things. So a lot of our illnesses are manifested out of emotions that have not been able to be let go, things that have not had a chance to heal. And so we're carrying so much that we haven't had a chance. So I think a lot of it comes down to the time and the setting and the allowance of it. So it is not weak to cry or to show emotion and to let that go. So, I mean, just crying once over the death of somebody is probably not enough. Like we need time to grieve these things. We need safe places. So if you're not in a safe place, you're not going to be able to allow this emotion to go. You're not going to be able to finish the cycle of these things. And I think a lot of people are not necessarily in safe environments. So I think it comes down to the environment and the time and the lifestyle and the fear. Well, and I in many ways, I agree with you. In some ways, I, I I really would kind of challenge it for for one in terms of like grieving or emotions in general. I think the more it is, uh, what time do you have to leave? Uh, Probably about ten minutes. Yeah. Okay, it's two twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, I'll be fine if it's like 
22. We'll wrap right here. Then I'm just going to drop the mic after this. Oh, yeah. You have to go to Del Mar. So maybe we just wrap it right now. Just do a couple more minutes. Yeah. yeah, Because I think it's, what, like 15 minutes or something? Yeah, it's not too far. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So, yeah, if you want to, we'll finish up this thought. Cool. Do you want to send an Alexa timer? No, I'm, I'm. We'll pay attention to the time. Okay. My subconscious mind has a very good I clock. I like it. That's my alarm clock. <laughs> I don't use an alarm clock because I yeah. just wake up at the proper time based on self-programming. Um, so we have a lot of like self-justifications that, that people use. Well, I can't do this because of that, right? And you're saying, hey, you know, we don't have enough time because you're working nine to five. So on on that regard, I can't help but think, well, that is a story we could tell ourselves, or we could say. Um, let's spend less than we make, save money, uh, and then, you know, put together a plan to buy yourself that time. And I, I say that from experience, mm. um, you know, had period of time in my life, multiple periods of time where I was really, really disciplined with cash, saved it up, um, didn't work for X amount of time and got to do that self discovery and self progress. Uh, I think that's, important and then you know someone like oh well and i already know what the um stories we tell ourselves someone's like well you don't have kids or you didn't have a wife Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah but i I can have two jobs yeah Yeah. and i'm like i can point out you know 10 examples of people i know that do have kids or did have Mm -hmm. these other responsibilities a mortgage and and they figured out a way to do it so you have to have that really that desire uh to do it yes and and I think I was kind of speaking in a broad sense of <laughs> of and yeah, you know, everything I said was excuses um to an extent. And I think the paradigm is shifted, right? So mm-hmm. there's all the resources now at our fingertips. Yeah. And that is the beautiful thing about, you know, the information age. We can do anything. We can start business, especially in America. It's amazing. We can mm-hmm. start a business tomorrow. You know, we can, we can plan, we can save, we can strategize all in a day. We have so much available to us. Um, but I do understand a lot of the ways the system is set up is not ideal for a lot of people. So I guess that's. Yeah. When you can really figure out like what we actually need in terms of survival. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, when it's like, man, if I, if this thing is really important to me, you know, can I cancel the Disney Plus subscription? Can I cancel the Netflix yeah. subscription? Can I, do I need, there was a point when I was first going to school where, and it was when the iPhone came out. So I had an iPhone cause I was working, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm going to community college. I need community college. I need to cut my bills and all these things. And I went from like the first or second version of the iPhone, whenever that came out. And it was pretty cool to have it then. People were like, whoa, you got the iPhone, like whatever. So cool, Derek. Yeah. And then so other people started getting the iPhone, you know, started picking up trends and yeah. all that. And it was a, a thing. And then when I decided to go attend college, I'm like, well, I'm going to cut my work hours, which meant I need to cut like all of my ex- expenses. And I dropped it down to this like $30 a month non-smartphone in the era of brand new smartphones. And I got... Like, I mean, my friends, you know, love them to death, but they were giving me such a hard time. Mm. And I had to, you know, kind of deal with it in the sense of, oh, like Derek can't afford a, a regular phone. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with it because I knew for me, like there was a bigger picture, a bigger plan. And so that seems like a pretty small sacrifice, you know, for some people that $30 to have a phone at all could be a lot. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we have those opportunities all around us. 
um, in this society. I can't speak for all societies. I'm not a master of the world in Mm -hmm. terms of understanding how everybody works, but there are these moments or things or, you know, sacrifices that we can make now to create a better future if we really run something, but you have to have that discipline or you have to create that discipline. Yes. And you have to have self-awareness and kind of get out of the system in the sense where you can't tie your worth to what you have. Mm-hmm. And we t- we often think of success as having money, having a good job, having this prestige. And like you said, like, okay, yeah, maybe you didn't have the best phone, but you were okay with that because you understood that you had intrinsic worthiness and value. And what we have to get there before we can do all of those other things. So once we kind of break away from the typical norm of what success looks like, and we can identify what our values are, and we can dissect our beliefs, and then we can get rid of some of that clutter, and we can get rid of all those things that we think we need in order to, you know, better ourselves or compile our, you know, ego to be even bigger, then we can do all of those things that you were saying. Does that make sense? Do all the things. All the things that I say, that's what everybody should do. Oh yeah. Like I said, there's, don't think that there's no ego over here. We still need that healthy um, ego for sure. But it is just, and that's where I think I come in as far as helping clients. I can put things into perspective and help them go down that rabbit hole as to figuring out why they think the way that they think. And then kind of back to what I was saying, all the answers that you have are within you. So there's nothing I'm doing to to a client. I'm just helping them get back to themselves. When people get scared of, of labels, so this is part of those cognitive um, distortions or like labeling things, and it really boxes it in. Uh, and I know you have to go, so maybe we'll wrap after this one mm-hmm. then. Uh, and that is, you know, the different modalities. Like I, with the variety of friends that I have, and you've met a few of them, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, all right, you have, uh, you know, one of them is, a, I don't even know what to call her. I literally left her a Google review and I said, she's a magical wizard. <laughs> she's like, Derek, you have, and I even introduced her as like a wizard. I'm like, she's a healer. She's a wizard. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Well, and she, she's like, Derek, you have to stop saying that. Cause like people think it's really weird. <laughs> I'm like, well, like, I don't want to go to a wizard. <laughs> I'm like, how am I supposed to describe it? So it is an ongoing joke. And I've referred people to her like, oh my gosh, she is a wizard. She's actually, you know, technically I think the most uh, appropriate label would be a chiropractor. But she's gone to school for like nine years or something. And her list of different things that she does, like neuroemotional techniques. Uh, I've had her on the podcast. She's freaking awesome. But, um, you know, it's just so many different things. But when we sometimes when we label stuff, it can it can prevent us from accessing that information. I, I think about this with spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, someone was asking about my routine this morning. And I laid out my routine. And in there is read the Bible for five to ten minutes. And immediately when I say that, that's a trigger for mm. some people. It's like, oh, he's Christian or Mormon or or mm-hmm. some people are like, wait, you read the Bible. You know, some people are a little more curious, like, you know, what what's your denomination? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really have one. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I just, I like reading the Bible. I like learning from it. I love talking about God and I love talking about the mm-hmm. belief systems or the ether, whatever you like to call mm-hmm. it. And that is such a confusing thing for a vast majority of people because 
they've been trained that like, this is the way. Well, Derek, how can you read, you know, this Buddhist book mm -hmm. and the Bible in the same day yeah. and agree with both of them? Because you're looking for, you know, similarities. And mm -hmm. uh, so I, I guess um, what I'm getting at is, I know you have to go. No, yeah. <laughs> and take a moment and just kind of plug like what you what you do, what your labels are, put your labels out there <laughs> so people can hear labels, how to get a hold of you if they're interested in talking to you, just whatever you, you know, I know you have show notes over there that you brought. So anything that we missed, you can just take us home here. Yes. Yeah. So I, I love that when you, well, yeah, because I remember you told me that you read the Bible and I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Can you give me the cliff notes for that? Because uh, it's on my list of things to do. Uh, and I definitely fell into that because there's this a stigma around religion, you know, for the longest time. I was like, oh, no, I don't believe in God. Like, I, like it, the God had, had a, um, a trigger in me in the sense where, you know, it wasn't a, a man in the sky. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't believe that there's a man in the sky. So I always felt like I had to justify, you know, my spirituality and my spiritual quest. And, and you know, because we're afraid of what other people are going to think of us to an extent, right? Because, and that's totally normal. We, we are um, tribal people. We want to belong. That's, I think, instinctual. Uh, so I definitely can appreciate that. And I think that's amazing that you read the Bible because there is oh, so much wisdom. And I think it's amazing that you read all of these different books and it really, you know, shows how open-minded and well-rounded you are and that, yeah, it's it's not about the labels, right? It's much deeper than that. <laughs> but yes, I'm a hypnotherapist <laughs> as, as far as labels go. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to talk to you today. I hope that um, I was able to kind of spread some of my personal knowledge and growth onto um, you and other people. So I am a hypnotherapist. Uh, not that that's the only thing I do or my identity, but I practice hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming, which is similar. Um, my quest began when I took a Reiki training um, a few years back, maybe almost four years now. And so like you, I've, I've just kind of read a lot and I've inquired a lot and I've searched a lot and I've gained an incredible amount of knowledge and had a lot of time to self-reflect. And in that, I gained a good sense of self and knew that I was good at helping other people to do what I had done on my own. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm passionate about it. I also um, did my yoga training and meditation training. So I incorporate things like that. It is uh, mainly hypnotherapy and we can use that to reprogram, um, retrain your brain and your subconscious beliefs, help you dig in a little bit deeper. So I am also trained as a life coach and that's really important when you're using your conscious mind because you want to be able to analyze and have goals but it helps when we can go deeper into your subconscious mind using hypnotherapy to, like I said, maybe let go of some of that old stuff, reframe it, reprogram it, 
And then we can build from there to really establish what you want out of life, what you want to get in the future, how you want things to be, help you visualize things so they will happen in your reality. That is beautiful. Thank you for all the labels. Uh, no, that's awesome. I love the work that you're doing. And I, I know time is short now, so it would be great to have you back on where we can talk a little bit more about your story and your journey from maybe it's even the clothing that you're wearing right now from the educational system into really your own system of, of working with others and uh, changing that framework. So Great to have you on. The weather looks amazing outside right now, too. <laughs> yes, that was we are so cloudy. lucky and privileged to be in sunny California. Yes, and you are going to a much, uh, a very beautiful place, too. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jared. Oh, hey, I don't think we said your name. Tara. Wait, I'm I don't in, know have I been I, saying I it wrong? I don't know why I'm saying it that way. You just it's, growled it's, at me? <laughs> Tara. It's Tara. But every person I have met here has asked me, is it Tara or... Tara. And actually, I'm not sure if I can say it that way. But since I'm from Jersey, sometimes we say our A's a little differently. So it's Tara, but you could say whatever you want. I used to be a, a, a school teacher, so I respond to anything. Well, I'm going to call you Nancy then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tara. Tara right. O'Neill, thank you. Thank you. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It, it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Dedic Podcast.